Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Dirty, nasty, get it done, favor faith. If I can draw your attention to that passage of scripture where the centurion says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say this one come and he comes, this one go and he goes. I tell my servant to do this and he does it. When I was a kid, when I was a young man, there was this movie that came on. I'm sure that there are folk in here that remember the movie. And because uh, I'm not the only one that's older than 25, hallelujah, 30, older than 40. There was a movie that came out called The Karate Kid. I'm not talking about Will Smith's kid. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the original Karate Kid. I'm talking about Ralph Macho. I'm talking about Mr. Miyagi. I'm talking about the Karate Kid. Karate Kid, movie came out. If you saw the movie, sounds like you did. If you remember the movie, you saw the movie, you'll remember that what happens in the movie is that Mr. Miyagi agrees to train the kid in karate. He says to him, my job, karate teach. Your job, student. Your job to do. Not the questions. I say, you do. Got it? He said, got it. He tied a thing around his head. He said, all right, I'm a teach. I'm the teacher. I, whatever I say, you do. That's the agreement. You don't have to pay me. You just do what I say. Got it? He said, got it. He said, all right, watch the car. And he showed him a whole bunch of cars in the parking lot. And he said, you're going to wash with your hand. Right to circle, left to circle, breathe in, breathe out. Don't forget about the breathing. Right to circle, left to circle. After you wash the car, you wax the car. Right to circle, left to circle, breathe in, breathe out, wash the car. He made him wash maybe eight or ten cars and he left. Come back tomorrow. Finished working. He said, come back tomorrow. He went. Came back the next day. He said, now you're going to paint the fence. Paint up, paint down. Up, down. Bend your knee. Maybe I'm breathing. Don't forget about the breathing. Breathe in, breathe out. The knee. Paint the fence. He made him paint his whole fence. It was inside his whole room. He had to paint the whole fence. Go home. Came back the next day, he said, send the floor. He had a, a, pat, a patio floor of wood. He gave him these, these he said, and when you, when you send the floor, right a circle, left a circle, breathe in, breathe out. Don't forget about the breathing. And he, he made him sand his whole floor. Go home. Come back the next day. Come on, y'all remember this move. Come back the next day. He went. He came back the next day. And when he got there the next day, Mr. Miyagi wasn't even there. He had left paint and said, paint my whole house. Back and forth. Right to left. And don't forget about the breathing. Painted the whole house. Then Mr. Miyagi came back. It was dark. Daniel-san had painted his whole house. And Mr. Miyagi walks in from fishing. And Daniel-san goes off. He says, I thought you were supposed to be teaching me karate. But what you've done is you've just decided to make me your slave or make me your servant. And you just got me in. First I had to wash your cars and wax your cars. And then I had to sand your floor. Then I had to paint your fence. Then I had to sand the floor. Don't forget about the breathing. And then you made me paint the whole house. I'm done. I'm out. It's over. I don't want to have nothing to do with you no more. Leave me alone. And Mr. Miyagi said, Daniel, son, come here. 
And then suddenly he started to throw punches at him. He said, show me side to side. Show me wax the car. And he, uh, uh, and then he threw a whole bunch of punches at him, which is why I'm upset about this microphone. Help me, Jesus. But he threw a whole bunch of punches at him, and he just, uh, 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 uh. And what happened was he was learning to fight without knowing he was learning to fight. He thought that he was working. He thought that he was being treated as a servant. But what was happening was he was gaining a fighting skill that he did not know that he was going to have until the attack came. I thought folk were going to be a little bit more excited than that because I would contend that right now, whatever you're going through, you might feel like you're washing the floor. You might feel like you're painting the fence. You might feel like it's a right the circle or left the circle. But when the enemy comes to attack you, you're going to have fight muscles you didn't know you were going to have. You can't complain about the challenge that you're dealing with today. You can't be upset about the work. Because the work gives you ability. It's what we see here in this passage. It's that Jesus says to the centurion, wow, that's faith. And the centurion says, yeah, see, I didn't learn faith at church. I didn't learn faith in a churchy way. I didn't learn faith in a spiritual way. I learned faith on the battlefield, my God, I would contend. You have a whole nother kind of faith when you learn it on the battlefield. He said, I learned faith in the muck and the mire and the blood and death. I learned how to fight in the hard place. I learned it in the tough place. And it made Jesus say, man, I haven't seen faith like that in church. So sad that you got folk who are raised in church. Your mama's raised in church. Your grandmama's made and raised in church. You're the people of Israel. And if you're not careful, somebody on the outside who is not a part of the church world forever. Folk who learn faith in the corporate world. Folk who learn faith on the battlefield, if you're not careful, they can have more faith than you, and you are actually subjects of the kingdom, and folk who don't qualify will be able to access faith that you're not able to access because we're too determined to learn faith in a cute Jesus way. We want to learn faith in a church way. We want to learn faith in a faith, faith, faith. That's how we want to learn faith. Instead of learning faith the way it really comes. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. Yep. You know how else faith comes? Faith comes when you go through something. You're going to have to talk to me. Faith goes, Faith happens when something difficult takes place. Faith happens when you go through a hard place, a tough place. You develop muscles that you didn't know that you were developing. I need a witness in the building. I'm here to encourage somebody. You have to understand, actually, your faith is increasing. Your faith is being strengthened. Your faith is being purified. Your, strength, your faith is being developed to be really powerful, to be really strong. In essence, the, the centurion says, I don't have cute little wave my hand, say hallelujah, Jesus faith. I got dirty, nasty, get it done, favor faith. I've got faith that even when I'm not perfect, stuff still happens for me. Even when I don't say hallelujah, still stuff happens for me. Even when I don't have a praise on my lips, stuff still happens. I wish I had a witness in the building. Even when I don't do everything right, God still moves on my behalf. God still makes a way for me. God still opens a door for me. And that's the kind of faith I want. I want get it done faith. I want open up a door faith. I want... God to empower me, but I have to be all right with how I get that faith. 
have to be all right with how that faith comes. I'm just returning from Africa. I'm, I'm back from the motherland. God help us, Holy Ghost. I was in Abuja, Nigeria, and then I was in Accra, Ghana. I spoke in probably the, one of the biggest churches in Ghana last Sunday, and, and I spoke four times. And so I just got back. I'm jet lagging a little, so we ain't going to be here forever. Hallelujah. But, but, but I was in Ghana, and while I was there, and I would, <laughs> I would encourage <laughs> As best I can, if you look like me. If I look like you. I know not everybody in here. We're not all African Americans in here. And everybody watching is not African American. But let me tell you something. It is a sad thing when you don't know where you come from. And a people who don't know their own history are doomed to repeat it or to become victims of it. And don't go to Paris and not have gone to Africa. Don't go to Europe and don't have gone to... Oh, see, nobody wants it. Don't go to Mexico and not have gone to Africa. You got to go someplace where Southwest don't fly. I don't know if you've ever been there, but Ghana is one of the places that you should pray about and consider and save your ducats up and go to Ghana because it's a life-changing moment. And I went down to the Cape Coast to the slave castles where I could see where our people were shipped off of the continent. I was in a room, they took us down in a room that was basically a slave dungeon where they held a thousand men in these five chambers, 200 per chamber, in the dark for three months, one little window for ventilation, no air, they fed them and gave them water twice a day, a third of everybody died in that chamber. Beloved, I don't know what your history is. Like I said, everybody not African-American. But those of us who are descended from them people, we have to understand we were purified. We were forged in a fire. We, we are from people. Only the strongest made it out of that. Only the toughest made it out. The people that got out of there were people who could survive being in the dark for three whole months and not have enough food and not have enough water. Those were the people that survived that. Anybody too weak-minded couldn't make it, and folks threw up and, and died. People who couldn't stand smells didn't make it. People who could not stand hardship didn't make it. Understand, beloved, you are descendant from people who survived the worst thing ever. Y'all got to give me something in this microphone. I'm getting annoyed. You, you are descended from somebody that the only reason why they're even here is because God is. If there's anybody that's alive as a result of a miracle, it's people that look like us. We are only alive because of God. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. We are the seed of a people that were abused for 400 years. We know how to fight. We know how to praise. We know how to survive. We know how to sing. We know how to worship. Your ancestors knew how to worship. They worshiped in a field. They worshiped, and they had way less than what you had. They had dirty, nasty, get-it-done favor faith. They had a faith that there were no results. Pastor Allen was They had a faith where they believed and they never saw what they were believing God for. That's who you out of. That's who you from. That's what's the blood that's coursing through you. I would contend it's true no matter what you, who you have descended from. You ought to know your history.
and know what you came from, know what you came out of. But I just walked back and forth in that place and shook my hand. And I thought to myself, my God, this blood is in my body. So you're not going to shake me just because something tough happens. I'm from some bodies who survived the worst thing that could almost ever happen. I'm trying to encourage somebody in here this morning. I'm trying to tell you, don't you ever give up. God can make a way. And you made from tough stuff. You from tough stuff. Have you learned faith? Have you learned faith yet? I, I know I've been preaching on faith for a lot this year because I want to know. Have you learned it? Have you learned faith? Where did you learn faith from? Where does faith come from? Have you got it? The centurion had this powerful faith. Talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And I just quickly by way of review, the centurion had a faith that surprised Jesus. Jesus was amazed at his faith. Jesus was amazed that somebody could have faith that was greater than the people that were raised in church. This faith surprised Jesus. It made, it made Jesus say, wow, I haven't seen anyone in Israel with such great faith. He was amazed at his faith. It's awesome that he was amazed, but it also means that Jesus expects people raised around the things of God to have more faith than people that are not raised around the things of God. With those of us who are back in church, those of us who have come back, those of us who were raised in church and went out and lived our lives and partied and acted crazy and now we're back to church. If you think that God is excited that you're back, think again. The truth is that the Lord has an expectation. The reason why he was surprised that the centurion had greater faith than the children of Israel is because he expected the children of Israel to have great faith. The reason why he said they're going to be a feast and folk are going to come from all over, but the subjects of the kingdom are going to be replaced by people that have favor who don't really deserve it but have favor because of the faith that they have. It's a warning shot. It's a word to say, be careful that you're not so sure that you're so in just because of who your mama was. It's a shot to say, be careful not to think you so in just because you church of God in Christ, or just because you Baptist, or just because you AME, or just because you Methodist. Be careful that you don't assume that you're going to have access to faith just simply by being a church somebody. Be careful because there are going to be folk who get replaced by folk who have more faith. For all of us who think we're doing God a favor or, oh, this is really nice. I went to church today or, oh, wow, yeah, I should have a really good week because I went to church and God just wants me in church. You got another thing coming. The reason why you're here is to figure out how to believe. Reason why you're still breathing is to figure out how to believe. The reason why you're still alive is because God's got something for you to do. Your faith is not just for you. Your faith is to impact the world in some kind of way. And if you second generation, third generation, fourth generation, believe out of church, if your grandmama was a believer and your great-grandmama was a believer and your grandmama was, and your mama was a believer, sorry, you have an expectation on you that's far greater than us just being glad you came to church. God has an expectation that your faith increase. God has an expectation that we believe more than the previous generation believed. You ought to be a better believer than your parents, not a worse one. I'm just looking around. I, I'm, I want the word to speak. God, help us, Holy Ghost. You ought to have a better prayer life than your mama did, not a worse one. The Lord is saying, don't let your grandmama outpray you. 
Jesus is saying, don't let your grandmama be a better prayer warrior. Don't let your daddy be a better believer than you. Because if you take belief for granted, then what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself serving at the feast and not eating at the feast. You've got to be serious about the faith that has results. You've got to come here to praise God because you're looking for God to do something in your life. You, you, otherwise, it's just patronage. Otherwise, I don't know what we think we're doing. I don't know what we think we're doing. I don't know why we think this exists. And I would contend that our people have way too much of a struggle to be playing around about the things we need from God. If anybody needs to be calling on the Lord, it ought to be, I, my Lord, my God. If anybody ought to be in church on time, how dare we be more in a club than we be in the church considering where our culture, considering where our families are, considering where our wealth is. We're at one of the most difficult places we've been in for a long time. Our wealth is in trouble. We lost so much in the housing crash that happened a few years ago. We don't got time to be getting high. We don't got time to be twerking. We don't got time to be megastat. We don't got time for it. Our situation is too dire. This needs to be a moment where if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God said, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. What's wrong with us? We're trying to be too cute in church. It is time for us to call on God. We're in trouble, Anthony. We're in trouble, son. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the power of God. We need deliverance. We need prayer. We need Jesus. You've got to get serious about believing God. We in here, we can barely be on our feet to praise. Like we done sung too many songs. Like it's just too much. Woo, a whole hour of worship is just too much for me. It's ridiculous. It's a sign that we don't have a real understanding of where we really are. We need to be having two hours and three hours and four hours and five hours and all night of prayers. I want to witness in the, every single one of us, everybody. America itself needs to be praying. If we ever had a sign that there's demons in control, it's now. I don't know why I don't get more witnesses in this building. Clearly, clearly a demon is running the country. Clearly a demon is running the country. It is obvious because the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But the Lord has come that will have life and that more abundantly. And we have decided to embrace an idea in which we can stop life from happening. We are going to give a drug to a kid that will stop them from developing to be what they're here to be if you don't see the demon in that you don't know God right now my Lord we got to get serious Somebody in the room got to say something to me. No, Pastor Andy, you right. America is in trouble. America needs prayer right now. America needs Jesus like never before. And we got to humble ourselves and pray, and we got to seek his face. We got to be serious about this church thing. We've made it way too convenient, and we have got to get serious about praying and talking to the Lord. Shouldn't nobody have to beg nobody to go to church, not nobody black. I need a witness in the building. Not nobody black. The Lord said he is the God of the oppressed. If there's anybody that's oppressed, if there's anybody that is a second-class citizen, if there's anybody that's still enslaved, we should be crying out for a deliverer. We worrying about cars. We, we ought to be crying out for the Lord to deliver us. I need a witness in the building. 
I need a witness in the building. Somebody say, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Lord, deliver us. Lord, heal our land. Heal our country. Heal America and heal us. Heal our people. God, heal us. Deliver us from evil. I just don't think we're serious enough about what we need. We need faith for real. I got to wake up in the morning believing God. I got to go to bed at night believing God. I got to play gospel. I don't have time to be playing a bunch of junk in my spirit. Oh, my Lord. I know it's nice. I know it's good. I like it too. But there is a time in which we got to get serious about God at some point. It's a faith. It's a faith. The centurion had a faith. <laughs> Sit down. The centurion had a faith. He had a faith in the spoken word. He said, just speak the word and my servants will be healed. So he had a faith in mouth power. He had faith that words matter. He had faith that if God said something, it's going to happen. He had faith that if God says something, it's going to come to pass. He had faith that God's report was bigger than any other report that could be spoken. He had a faith in which he said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. He believed. He be but you can't believe that God's word has power and not understand that your words have power. So when I say we need faith, part of the reason why I say we need faith is because of what I hear coming out of everybody's mouth. Because all we do is speak fear. And all we do is speak doubt. And all we do is speak self. All we do is talk. All we do is fuss and fight. All we do is have an attitude. All we do is cuss each other out. All we do is fuss at one another. All we do is can't barely support one another. All we do, Perkins, all we do is be mad at one another. All we do is dog one another. That's all we do. That's all we do. We almost don't know how to not be critical of each other out of our mouths. We almost don't know how to not say something negative. How was the trip? First thing we want to start talking about as well, the plane was delayed. It's just we, we, we have a tendency to just focus on the negative, but God has been so good to me, and God has done so much for me. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. I need a witness in there. He made a way for me. I survived it. I, I'm still here. Why are we so negative out of our mouths? He had faith in the spoken word. He had faith that overcomes humanity. He had, I don't deserve it faith. He had, I just don't deserve it faith. He had a faith that said, yeah, I can't possibly deserve what God has done for me. I can't possibly deserve what I need from the Lord. I need favor faith. I need down in the dirt with me because I'm in the dirt. I need dirty, nasty, get it done because where I am, there's some dirt down here. Where I am, it's tough down here. Where I am, it's harsh down here. Where I am, it's real down here. So I need something that can get down in the dirt with me. I need something that can get it done. I need something that works on favor and not just on earning it. Because if it's up to earning it, I'm in trouble. Because I've come to grips about the reality of myself that if it was not for the Lord's mercy and his grace on me, all of this thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought we got to get over that. I don't know where our humility has gone in which we're just able to be like, listen, I'm so glad God loves me. I'm so glad. I don't know why we got to front and act like we something that we not. 
and can't listen and can't, can't hear nobody. I don't know why we're in too much trouble to actually be in that kind of situation. We're lying to ourselves. For us to be able to say, no, 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 I need favor. He said, I need favor. No, no, no. I need a witness. I need favor. I need a witness around the world. No, no, it's going to take favor. It's going to take the favor of God for me to get that. I'm going to need God to open up a door for me. I'm going to need God to make a way for me. It is what I'm believing God for. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. It is a faith that moves past the fact that I'm human. It is a faith that takes my humanity into account and still makes something supernatural happen in spite of the fact that I'm very human. I'm sorry, I think this is an important point because if we're not careful, we will so battle against our humanity that we will make our humanity evil. In a sense, it's a bit of what has happened, is that we made our flesh so evil that now the world don't want to hear us talk anymore because we made the desire and the life stuff just of the flesh demonic. That's what we said it was. And so now... The world is not interested in our opinion. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, but we got so off balance that we, we started to talk about the favor of God as if we earned it somehow. We lied. We lied. We act like we didn't want what they wanted. We did want what they wanted. We just figured out how to deny it. And, and what we really have to understand is the centurion has great faith because he's able to just admit there's stuff going on in my house that is not perfect. Am I by myself? Is there anybody that can say, oh, yeah, Pastor Andy, I don't know if I want Jesus to come to my house today. <laughs> I need a week to clean up. I wish I had a witness. I need, uh, you don't even want me to come to your house this afternoon. You got to move stuff. You got to hide stuff. You got to put your liquor away. I'm saying, as you got stuff you do not want me to see, let alone Jesus. The Lord ain't moved. The Lord is not bothered by your house. He already know what you got. He already know what you the Lord knows your thoughts are far off. He knows what you wanted to say even if you didn't say it. It is a favor faith. It is changing the parameters of what it means to really walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It means that you understand that God does stuff even when you don't deserve it. I know I, I seem to be beating this point to death, but I just want everybody to wave their hands and say, okay, Pastor Andy, I got you. I got you. I'm over me. I'm over my self-righteousness. I'm over my being better than everybody. I'm not going to look down on anybody else. I'll drop my stone. Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. I'll drop my stone. Jesus said to the woman, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. He said, well, I, I mean, if you're, the, the problem you had was with people. It wasn't with God. I need a witness in the building. Can I give you a lesson on faith? Can I just give you a quick lesson that I get it? I, me too. I've made mistakes. I've done wrong. I've done things I wish I could take back. 
I thought I was going to get a better amen on that. I've made mistakes. I've done stuff I wish I could go back and change. I cannot change them. Number one, you are not your mistake. You are not, you're not even who you were when you made that mistake. Come on, come on, come on. You're not even who you were when you made the mistake. If you could go back in time, would you change it? Absolutely. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do the same thing. So you might as well let yourself go and stop beating yourself up over the mistake that you made because you're not that person anymore. Forgive yourself. That's number one. Number two, if you're not careful, you will let condemnation stop you from believing God to move for you when God don't even remember what you did. The Bible says that God casts your sin into a sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. Am I preaching the Bible or not? But what happens is you end up dealing with the consequences because you're more worried about what people going to say about you because people are the one who have a problem with you and not God. No, I'm walking heavy in your life and in my life because we all have to think about what people think to a certain extent. But it's crazy to see somebody be blessed who seems to not really care. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody like this, who they're just moving on and just moving forward and just doing even better. And you're wondering because you think God's mad at you for something that you did. And they don't think that. They know that people might be disappointed in them, but they will rather... Have a close relationship with the Lord. As a matter of fact, getting closer to God is actually what really strengthens them. And sometimes that happens because they were rejected by people. Sometimes it's just kind of the attitude you have. It's the way you carry yourself. It's how you are about it. It is an understanding that there is a favor on my life. God likes me. I'm just going to speak this now. God likes me. I don't know who's going to say amen, amen, amen. God likes me. God talks to me. God says, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy. I will have favor on who I will have favor. You're not going to tell me who to like. I'm a blessed who I'm a bless. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Be careful not to overformulize it because it takes away the sovereignty of God. Is there anybody like me that is in a situation simply because God has something for you and there are even folk who are mad about it. I don't know who that is. There are folk who are upset that God has blessed you the way he has blessed you and opened up a door, but you just sit and you shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, well, the Lord... God just blessed me. Who am I talking to? Yeah, I just God just answered my prayer. God just made a way. I used to be defensive, but now I'm like, yep, you're right. I don't deserve it. Yep, you're right. I don't always have it together. Yep, you're right. I am a stranger in a strange land, but God stepped into my situation. And so I got over myself. I had to get over me. I had to get over thinking I was always together. Actually, I became even more powerful when I got over my own idea of perfection. Am I by myself? I know I'm not. There was a time when I just I sat around son, thinking I was better than other preachers because of what I did and how I don't know. But it wasn't until all hell broke loose. Have you ever had all hell break loose? I said, have you ever had all hell break loose? 
Have you ever thought you were going to lose your mind? Have you ever been through a rough place, a dark place? Have you ever been to a dark, dark place? I said, have you ever been to a dark place? Have you ever thought, I might not make it, I might not live? I have you ever been disappointed in your own self? And you real, and in your darkest moment, the light shined and God stepped in. And God said, I don't care about what you did. I don't care about where you are from. I'm God. As a matter of fact, I take the low things and I bring them up. I, I take the foolish things and I shame the wise. I need a witness from somebody like me. No, 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 no. It is because of God that I'm standing. I think I got a witness in the room. I think I got a witness around the world. That didn't happen till I got over me. And I almost hesitate to say this, Pastor Al, but I almost think the Lord let me go through the dark place to get me over me. Who am I talking to in here this morning? Somebody in here is going through something and you have to realize what the Lord is trying to get you to do is give up on you being so great and give up on you being so perfect and give up on you always having it together. He's trying to get you to realize he don't need you perfect to make you blessed. He is God all by himself. Remember, your mama used to say that he's God all by himself, Pastor. He's God all by himself. He don't need you to be God with him. And I almost lost my mind, and then I had to give up on me, and I've never been so powerful. Y'all don't even know. People were coming to me saying, Pastor Annie, these messages you're preaching, this is incredible. This is amazing. You don't even know. Those were my darkest days. Those were the days when I didn't know if I was going to make it. I don't know who I'm talking to. Those were the days when my anxiety was at the highest. Those were the days when I wasn't sleeping at night. That's when I preached the best. That's when I realized in my weakness, he makes me strong. I need a witness in the building. That's why Paul said, I'll boast all the more about my weakness. I don't have to front and fake and act like I'm always perfect. I can call myself the least of the apostles because, whoo, God is moved by your humility. We're talking about dirty, nasty faith. We're talking about get it done faith. We're talking about favor faith. We're not talking about cute, churchy Jesus faith. We're talking about real, raw, you admit what you want and don't want faith. I don't think faith works if you're lying to yourself. Come on, Pat. I don't think faith really works if you have yet to come to grips with you. I think you've got to have an, I think you have to have an honest conversation with yourself and you have to realize what you like and what you don't like, what you do and what you don't do. You won't never have strong faith trying to be lying to yourself about what you do well or don't do well. You got to be like, well, this is me. See me, love me. Anybody there? Like, yeah, well, this is me. I mean, I'm working on me. Please be patient with me. I'm working on me. But if perfection is required, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble. I'm so glad I serve a risen Savior. I'm so glad that the, the God I serve didn't choose nobody from the Pharisees. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. He said, Centurion, this is what I'm talking about. Sit down. I'm almost done because I know I'm everywhere. Anybody hearing a word from the Lord? But I'm back from the motherland, so I'm sorry. Here's the scariest thing about these verses. Never saw this before, never preached this before. Scariest thing about these verses, when Jesus says, folk are going to come from north to south, the east and the west. 
to sit down at this feast of the kingdom, but the, the subjects of the kingdom are going to be on the outside looking on the end. Beloved, this is exactly what happened. It's exa what Jesus said is what happened. When you read the book of Acts, you realize that the move amongst the Gentiles was way larger than the move that happened amongst the children of Israel. That in essence, when Jesus said this, he was prophesying. He was basically saying what was going to happen. The point he was making was, I'm not even starting the church with the most super spiritual churchy people. He didn't pick any of the 12 from out of the synagogue leaders. He didn't pick any of the 12 from the folks that were super educated. Paul was the only one who basically was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Jesus didn't start his church with people like that. He knew that if you're not careful, you will already be corrupted by too much church. For those of us who were raised in church and come out of church, we have to be careful that our church faith doesn't stop our get it done faith. Because faith without works is dead. And so we have got to, as best we can, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who barely know the Lord and they're just believing God for all kinds of stuff and it happens. No, I need a witness in the building. Where you, they are, they're like a baby Christian. And they're like, and God's about to give me this job. And you're like, slow your roll. You need to calm down and relax. And the next thing you know, they have the job. Basically, what the Lord is saying is, yeah, be quiet. Check yourself. Check yourself. And relearn how faith works. I'm just being honest. I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. I'm a bishop's kid. Fourth generation preacher. I've heard so many offerings taken up. They almost go in one ear and out the other. It's possible to be so inured. It's possible to be so hardened just simply as that if you're not careful, you will find yourself not at the feast. I want us at the feast. I want us there. I want the faith to be a favor faith. And then I want us to have a response to the favor faith. And I know I've been preaching and, I, I'm, and I, I'm not sorry because it's been good. But let me just share this one thing with you from Romans 12. And I'll pick up on this next Sunday. Anybody hearing a word from the Lord? I'm going to pick up on this next Sunday. But Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. NIV says... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. Everybody say the mercy of God. Come on, everybody say the mercy of God. No, no, say it. The mercy of God. You watching online, put it in the comment, the mercy of God. Your whole Christian perspective changes when you realize that we're all walking in the mercy of God. We're all living on the mercy of God. All of us are living on his grace. Every single one of us is living on his grace. I said every single one of us is living on his grace. I said every single one of us lives and relies on the love God has for us. I need a better witness than this. Ain't nobody in here perfect. Everybody in here has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has something they regret this past week. Everybody going to do something this week that they should not do. Some of us last night was doing something we should not have done. I need a witness. Every last one of us. Not nobody from the pulpit to the back. Nobody here is perfect enough to earn it. Everybody clap for that. Everybody clap for that. Everybody signify. Oh, yes, Lord, I need your mercy. Oh, yes, Lord, I need your grace. 
I, I know I'm I know I'm taking my time, but I'm attacking something from the bottom, and you'll have to you'll have to give me some time. I'm trying to dem demolish a stronghold that is holding us back from the blessings of God. Something God established in us, this condemnation theology that has to do with our perfection, it slows us down from really walking in the power of God. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercy, I urge you in view of the mercy of God. This is to the Romans. This is to the Gentiles. This is to the church in Rome. He is saying to them, y'all are walking in a favor faith. Y'all are the people that are at the feast who weren't supposed to be there. Y'all are who Jesus was talking about. He has taken what belonged to the children. Jesus said to the woman, it's not rightful to give the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And the woman said, yeah, but even the dogs eat from the servant's table. And Jesus said, oh, I couldn't offend you calling you a dog, huh? See, that's some faith. You have faith when you can't be easily offended. You have faith when can't nobody hurt your feelings by calling you something. That means you really want something. Anyway, I got to move on. What I'm saying is Paul says, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercy of God, that there is a response to God's mercy. And he lays them out. And I've got five of them. And I'm going to put them on the screens. And I'm going to pray for everybody. And we're going to go home in the hot heat. Hallelujah. Okay. What do you do with this favor? What do you do? When you accept favor faith, what do you do? Okay? I don't even have time to break it down. I'm just going to give them to you. He says, number one, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So the first response to the mercy of God is living sacrifice. Can everybody say living sacrifice? That's so weak. Everybody say living sacrifice. Come on, say it again. Say living sacrifice. It's not a one-time sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice you offer every now and then. It's not a one-time sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. It is you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. You think about the sacrifice being holy. You think about the sacrifice being acceptable. Holy just means set apart. Acceptable means that you want the sacrifice to be acceptable. You don't want to offer him something that's not right. You don't want to offer him something and you're lazy about it. You're going to offer him something, offer him the best. I believe if the church does it, it ought to be the best. I want the best lights. I want the best sound. I want the best thing. I want the best screens. I want the best air. I don't like it when church is doing worse than what the world. I want our thing to be an acceptable sacrifice. I want the tech to work. I want the mic to work. I want the sound to work. I want an acceptable sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. I want it to be acceptable. I'm not trying to have step with God. So the first, the first thing is, a living sacrifice. The second one is non-conformity. Put it on the screens. Non-conformity. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Stop allowing. This is what happens when you realize you're walking in favor of faith. You, when you realize it's the favor and the mercy of God, you decide you cannot allow the pattern of this world to stamp you. You can't look like everybody else and dress like everybody else and smell like everybody else and do everything else do. Just because everybody else is doing it don't mean that you do it. You actually realize you got favor on your life. I am really preaching in here. You got favor on your life. And the favor you have, you don't deserve. So you're careful about it. And you're thinking to yourself, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Before I tattoo myself from head to toe, let me make sure that I don't lose my favor. Before I start twerking on every dude I see, let me make sure that I don't. Before I start tapping, and before I do that, I don't. Just because the world thinks it doesn't mean I'm going to get favor from God with it. 
for I just swallow the current thought process. Let me just make sure I keep my favor because my favor came at a price and my favor ain't free and, and my favor was the blood of Jesus paid for it and I, and I need my favor. It was God that did that and it was the Lord that made a way for me. Who am I talking to in here? So I, I can't just conform to the pattern of the world. Number three, you there in the scripture? Number three, transformation. He says, be transformed. Be transformed. Be transformed. Meaning that you should be unrecognizable after favor gets on you. I'm going to speak that over everybody. This favor faith should make people be like, oh, my God, you're totally different. Oh, my God. Wow. What happened to you? And you could say, God saved me. God delivered me. God cleaned me up. The favor of God. I didn't deserve it, but the Lord got me this, and the Lord led me there here, and now I got a this, and I got a house, and I got a bot, and a bot, that, that, that I'm transformed it's not, I don't think you really have favor if you still are exactly how you were. That's fake favor. You fronting like you got favor. If you look exactly how you looked when you first got saved, you were the same person. You're not transformed. Paul is saying, no, no, no. In view of God's mercy, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's your real worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's number four. is mind renewal. This is deep. Mind renewal. Meaning, you got to get your mind right. We got our soul right and our spirit right and we got our feet shouting right and don't have our minds right. Your mind doesn't get renewed from the shout. The shout clears you out from all the junk. What fixes your mind is the word. And you start talking different and memorizing scripture and being around other believers and spending time amongst the saints and talking different. You renew your mind. You realize that you have an old mind and there's a new mind that you have to have. And you want this mind to be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. So you get annoyed with your current brain. There really shouldn't any be any real arguing with you because if you were so right, why are you so sad? If you're so right, then why are you so broke? If you're so right, then why are you by yourself? Why somebody got to argue with you with what you thought? Well, what I was taught, who cares what you were taught? Maybe it's time to renew your mind. Maybe it's time to take your mind back to formula and totally reevaluate what it is you think. Y'all see Oppenheimer? Anybody see that movie, Oppenheimer? Y'all ain't see that. It's a good movie. Too long? You went and saw Barbie. Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> the thing that was amazing to me about Oppenheimer is that the man thought differently than everyone else and changed the world. It's so crazy how in the church world, we got to keep thinking the way we thought 100 years ago. We're scared for our minds to be renewed. Can't nobody say nothing new. Folk we shout for the most are the folks who've been saying the same thing folks been saying for 500 years. Halfway mad and halfway upset. Pastor Andy, why don't you do more altar calls? Well, what? What are you talking about? Why do I have to do the same thing that everybody else has been doing forever that don't work? Yeah. Yeah. Get no claps on that one, but it's okay. It's all right. Because we, we just stuck. We can't let our minds be renewed. And then the last one. 
And I'm done. It's 12, so I'm good. And the last one is that you may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The fifth response to favor is tested, approved, will of God exploration. Tested, approved, will of God exploration. Meaning, you take a step and you're like, is this the will of God? All right, let me test and see and approve that this is God's will. You don't just march forward like you know what you're doing. You, you, are, you, are, you are taking careful steps. Let me see if this is the will of God. I'm going to go try this and take this job and work over here. And okay, is this Lord, is this your will? I need to test it. I need to see if this will hold me up. I need to see if this will keep me up. It's, it's, it's getting over you. The Holy Ghost gave me a dream. Get over yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But think of yourself in sober judgment according to the measure of faith God has given you. Over-spiritualize everything. Okay, the Lord gave you a dream. Fine. Now take a step on it and see if it will bear your weight. You got to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. You are going to live a life consistently testing the will of God. Wow, I like her. Is this God's will? Wow, I like him. Is this God's will? Wow, I think I want to do this job. Is that God's will? Wow, I think I want to go to this school. Is that God's will? Wow, I think I want to try this. Is this the will of God? I'm not going there just because I want to be there. I want to be there, but I also want to see, God, are you in this? God, are you with this? God, is your presence here? I need to test it and approve it. I need to live a life in which I'm constantly exploring the will of God. Even now, I want to know, Lord, is this your will? Lord, is this your will? Lord, we're trying to do this. Is this your will? God, we're trying to buy this house. Is this your will? Lord, we're trying to do this business. Is this your will? Lord, we're trying to triple our business. Now, is this your will? Because, Lord, I don't want to get outside of your will just doing what I want to do. I'm going to test, and I've got favor on me, so I'm going to test and approve his perfect, pleasing, acceptable will. If you heard a word, put your hands together and bless him. Can you jump on your feet with me? Let me pray for you. I'm going to let you go. Anybody want the favor of God on your life? I want the favor of God on my life. Favor on this, favor on that. Favor in front, favor in back, favor all around me. I don't deserve it. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed? Anybody want to be blessed? I'm about to pray for you, for you to be blessed. Pastor Tony wanted me to mention, you mentioned it again, the sneaker thing that we're doing. We still need 100 more shoes for kids so let's be a blessing to somebody but I want the favor of God on your life I want the favor of God on my life I want to walk by faith and not by sight we need the Lord if we ever needed the Lord before surely we need him now come on let's pray together Lord I pray for every person under the sound of my voice God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. So much has been said today. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. Thank you for the fact that the word found us exactly where we were. Thank you. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who do wrong to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory is yours. And you have decided to give us power in your name. And we plead the blood of Jesus. Over every sickness, we plead the blood. Over every disease, we plead the blood. Over every lack, we plead the blood. There's power in your name. Over every difficult place, we plead the blood. Over our nation, we plead the blood of Jesus. 
over our people. We plead the blood of Jesus. Satan, the blood of Jesus be against you. God, I pray that we would walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, we want to be in your will. We want to test and approve what your will is. Heal our children. Heal our teenagers. Heal our mamas and our daddies. Heal our money. Heal our lives. We are the centurion. Just say the word and our stuff will be healed. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. Thank you for the word, the songs that were sung, the praise that went up the offerings that were given. Dismisses from this place, those of us who are in the room, but never from your presence, cover us with your blood. Bring us back together next Sunday as we talk more about power. We need your power. Pity the groans of your little ones everywhere. Bring deliverance to all. We magnify your name, the name of Jesus. The sweetest name I know. And as we always pray, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. For God, you're our rock, you're our redeemer. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. God bless you. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.